And we ask that our hearts would be open and we would be uh, receptive to your word. We pray that you'd illuminate us, Lord, that we wouldn't just get information, but our, your spirit, in our spirits we'd be changed. Amen? Revelation chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant what must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies of everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. God gave it to Jesus to do it, to show his servants what soon must take place. He wants us to know what's going on in the big plan. And he made it known by sending his angel. Angels are messengers in the Bible. That's what angelos means. It means messenger. It's often used as pastors. Pastors are messengers. Uh, uh, people who are sent are, uh, are messengers, one who is sent. And so it's kind of interesting there. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Now, what did we just get through in Matthew chapter 5? Blessed. Oh, how happy. What were those called again? The Beatitudes. Very interesting. Revelation has seven of them. And uh, this is the first one. Blessed are those who hear it and who take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. I've got to keep doing this with you. I'm reading, but I'm not clicking. Blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written because the time is near. What do we read in James? Don't just be what? Hearers, but doers of the word. This is constantly a theme throughout Scripture. Not only just hearing, but you've got to be a doer of the Word. And he says, blessed. Blessed are those who hear it. Blessed is the one in the verse before, part 3, is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. So that's me. Yay. It's supposed to be reads aloud. But, and, and you, as you're falling on, you're blessed. These are promises of the Lord. You're going to be blessed. And because those who hear it and take it to heart, what is written, because the time is near. The time is at hand. It's going to happen. God wants us to take this in. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Now, very interesting, as we kind of look here. John, to the seven churches, as I've already pointed out real quickly, seven is a, is a very interesting number, especially in the book of Revelation. The more I get into it, the more I am blown away. And for the, for, the, for the sake of this study, I just want to do a quick overview of seven. As you go through in the future, you'll notice how many sevens are in there. And what's amazing is that there is no way on earth that you could set out to write a book like this. It has got to be supernatural. There are sevens that you just read about, and we'll get to those in a second. But, just a, but there are sevens on layers and in sections that we, don't even, we can't even comprehend. But as you read it, they're there, and I'll show you some in just a second, right off the bat. But the number seven is very interesting. Seven is referred to as the number of perfection in the, in, in, by scholars, by Christian scholars. We see that constantly in Scripture. Perfection in Greek means completion or maturity or fullness. So not like perfect. Perfection is kind of a bad word, is a, is a misrepresentation of the real word. It's completion, maturity, the fullness of age. Examples of this, uh, of seven in, in nature. We have seven days in the week. Pretty cool, huh? It's complete, and then it starts over again on the eighth day. Eight is the number of new beginnings in Scripture. People are circumcised on the eighth day. Very interesting. On the eighth day, they did this and that. It's very, why, why wouldn't you just say next Monday? Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> because there's a biblical 
uh, connotations with it. Seven continents, just for fun. Seven colors in the rainbow. Seven notes on the musical scale. Seven dwarves. I'm sorry, did I say that? <laughs> the examples of the use in seven scriptures, right? I was gonna, yeah, I already did 7-11, so I was searching for something new there. Um, examples of the use of seven in scripture. Genesis 2, the, the, two days of, uh, the seven days of creation, chapter 1 and 2. On six days, Karad created the earth. On the seventh day, he rested. Right? Jacob's seven years. Jacob's is seven years. Uh, sorry, this is like one o'clock last night. Jacob's seven years of service. Everybody worked seven years, and they needed to work another seven years. It's very interesting. Just a little side note. Uh, you know, our, 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 consti- our, sorry, our Constitution, our Declaration, there's seven sections of the Article of the Constitution. Very interesting. There's so many sevens in, in ours as we take our, in our culture, as in our political system, as we take after the scriptures. It's interesting. But, uh, anyways, uh, Pharaoh's seven fat and skinny, um, seven skinny oxen. Remember that in his dream. Seven branches of the golden candlestick. The menorah has seven branches sticking out. Very interesting. We'll get to that in just a bit. Seven loaves of showbread. As you walked into the temple, uh, there would be uh, the 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 uh, yeah. I can tell a joke. Um, but on the left, there would be a, you know, a showbread with seven, seven loaves. On the right would be the candlesticks. And so there would be just be all this imagery as you walk in. Why seven? We're going to get to some of that stuff. Seven trumpets and seven priests who sound of them. Uh, what about the seven days of the siege of Jericho? And real quickly, they walked, they, they walked around quietly for six of them. On the seventh day, the Sabbath, they went around louder and did it. Why is that? That's interesting. That's another story. God can tell you what he wants to do, huh? <clears throat> okay. Seven uh, in scriptures. The feasts of the Passover were all uh, ordered according to sevens. And ta- the, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles of weeks, according to sevens. Sacrifices. Remember, uh, seven bulls, seven lambs, all these amazing sevens. Healing. Naaman, how many times was he told to dip? Seven times. Why seven? Well, does a prideful person like to dip once? No, seven times. It's kind of a symbolic of completeness. You're going to be completely healed, but you've got to give me all. You're all complete. I want you all the way in. I want you completely humble before me. So that's another story. Seven I am's statements in John. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the door. I am the bread of life. All these things. There's seven in the book of John. Seven I am statements. There's seven miracles recorded in John. There's also seven words of Christ on the cross recorded in the book of John. Kind of interesting stuff. And uh, I have no doubt that John was, was meticulous. He just wanted to get all the sevens he could in there, right? Oh, yeah, it's this computer. It's picking up something. Revelation from, uh, from Jesus Christ. Here we are. We're really interesting. But we've already, we haven't even picked it up. We've read the first two verses. And what did we not notice? Real quickly, seven people here in the first, in the first couple of verses. And notice the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to him to show his servants what must soon place take, take place. Sorry, He made it known by sending an angel to his servant, John, who testifies everything he saw. That is the word of God, John 1, 1, right? And what does it finish with? What does it begin with? I just picked that up last night just reading. I mean, I didn't pick that up from anywhere. He is the first and the last, the beginning, the end, of the Alpha Omega. I mean, just what in the world? The Lord is constantly wanting to tell us some amazing stuff as we go through. And so the scriptures revolving the number seven, I just put them on there for you. Uh, this is just in Revelation, by, by the way. <clears throat> 
Let us read from, no, uh, these are just in Revelation. And by the way, these are just the surface ones. The surface ones, the ones that you can see that just says seven, not the ones I just mentioned to you, and I will show you a couple more as we go today. And so here we are in in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, to John, it's John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Seven churches, very interesting. And here they are, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Smyrna, Philadelphia, Ephesus and Laodicea, and it's in modern-day Turkey in the north there. But one thing I, I kind of wonder is seven churches. That's, that's a very interesting thing. And here's another map a little closer. It's harder to see there. But um, there's also, why, why not Colossae, which is right there? Why not Galatia, which is up there? Why did he exclude these things? I don't know yet, but I'm wondering, you know? Why did he do it? And, and there's this idea of completeness, maybe speaking to the complete church as a whole. Yeah, maybe the Lord was speaking to those direct churches at that time, but then there's also future uh, ramifications for us. And it's really interesting, as we go through this, um, there are different views, like I said, of interpreting the Scriptures, that as we go through each of these letters to these churches that it fits nicely within certain ages of church history. It's, it, and you can just kind of lay it in there, and we'll, we'll go through that in a second. But as he's talking to the church, you know, of this, you know, of, uh, you know, say Smyrna, it could fit in, into a certain section of history. The things that they were going through at that time also could go in through a section of history. So there's a lot of different applications, and I know that might sound confusing, but I'll explain it a little bit more as we get into that next week. And here's another little map just for fun, with little crosses. But here's Ephesus right here. That's one of them. But what about Colossae? We wrote to the Colossians and then Galatians up here somewhere. It's not even listed there. So, very interesting. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who, who was and it is to come. Very interesting here. I just... That word interesting is the word I keep coming up with because it is. It just blows me away. John to the seven churches in the province. Grace and peace. The word grace uh, could have been from a Greek word meaning peace and then a Hebrew meaning shalom, peace. So peace and peace to you. Uh, It could have been saying to the Jew and to the Gentile, grace and peace. Also, it's interesting that grace is always before peace. You want to have peace with God, you have to have the grace of God in your life. That's through Jesus Christ on the cross. To you. From him who is and who was and who is, who is to come. You know, this is a way of addressing the Lord. Him who was and who is and who is to come. How do you describe yourself when you're almighty? When you're outside of time and you're trying to explain it to people who are inside of time. I was and I am and I will be. I'm the eternal God. That's who it's from. And notice who this eternal God is, what he's giving. He's giving you grace and peace to the church, how he loves us. He wants grace and peace for you in your lives and your hearts. And from the, what? Seven spirits. What in the world is this? Seven spirits before his throne. You know, this possibly could be uh, translated and from the, basically the sevenfold spirit before his throne. As you go into Isaiah, and again, if you want to take notes on this stuff, it's going to be fun. I'll make this uh, available on the website as well because it's my own doing. Um, 
On, on Isaiah chapter 11, we notice some things about the Holy Spirit. And, and this is, uh, it says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. We're talking about Jesus, right? From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Speaking of Jesus. Now notice, what these are the sevenfold manifestations of the Spirit upon Christ. And so this seven uh, spirits before the throne could be referring to the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit, who He is, how He operates. And so, and this is, this is it. That one, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon Him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding and the Spirit of counsel. Boy, when I look at Jesus, I see all those things. And another thing, if you, if you check out Acts chapter 7, what about Stephen? They kept talking about him. Man, this guy's just full of wisdom and understanding, and he just counseled them like, Dr. Phil on steroids, it was amazing. So, And of power, and the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. These seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, <clears throat> and so uh, we have that from, from, from the Father, we have from the Spirit, and now, and from Jesus Christ. Who is, notice the seven things that are noticed, la- labeled here about him. Kind of crazy. Uh, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Amen? Keeps on going and, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve as God and Father. And the seventh thing, I didn't put the numbers there, did I? Uh, to him to be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And so when we look at this, Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness. That word witness is where we get our word martyr. Now, martyr has come to, to mean the word that someone who, is, who dies for their faith. But actually, it meant someone who has faith strong enough that they would die for it. That's what, it, that's what the word martyr means there. And he's the first form, born from the dead. Now, really quickly, was Jesus the first person raised from the dead? No, so what does that mean? All those other people went and died again. But he is the eternal God. He was raised back again, and he will never die again. He's the firstborn. He's preeminent. Colossians talks about that, the preeminence of Christ. He's number one. Jehovah's Witnesses will try to turn that around you, on you. The ruler of the kings of the earth. Now at this time, he's not the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is what? He came and got the title deed, and we'll talk about this later when we get in there. But when he went and he was, he was tested by Satan in the wilderness, and, and Satan came up to him and said, hey, Bow down and worship me, and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all these things. Did Jesus argue with them? No, he didn't, because Satan has control. This is, he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of the earth right now. And the whole thing about Revelation is Jesus is coming back to take what he purchased. You see that? And he will be the ruler of the kings of kings. So in effect, he is. He's just going to go cash in that check pretty soon. And so to him who loves us, Agapes us unconditionally. Man, we need that in our life. That's another attribute, one of the seven things about Jesus. And he's freed us from our sins by his blood. He's freed us. Are you in your sin this morning? Hey, according to the Lord, he wants to free you. He has freed you. Live in it. Amen? Boy, I need that message every single morning. And has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. Remember Peter says that you are a a holy generation, a peculiar people, a kingdom of priests set aside for the worship of the Lord. We are a kingdom of priests to serve as God. Jesus has made us that. 
He was the forerunner. He's the Melchizedek. And then to him be glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Verse 7. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him. And all the people of the earth will mourn because of him. Jesus is coming back. Wake up. Look. Look. Listen. He's coming back with the clouds. And this this word Probably it might refer to Hebrews chapter 1 when it talks about, Therefore, since we, have seen, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hindered us. Maybe this cloud he's talking about is the cloud of witnesses. Maybe. You know? And this kind of goes, First Thessalonians chapter 4, 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with him and therefore encourage one another with these words. So look, he's coming in the clouds and could be with our brothers and sisters. It's definitely going to be, but I tend to think it's going to be clouds like cumulonimbus, but uh, clouds and the people in the Shekinah glory of God, that word Shekinah glory. Remember when they were, they were ushering uh, when they were worshiping the Lord, they were serving the Lord in the, in the temple. And his presence came so thickly in that place that they had to stop ministering. Remember that, King Solomon? His presence was, we just sang about it, his presence like a cloud upon that ancient day. It just it became so full, smoke filled the temple to where they weren't able to usher. The, the Shekinah glory, that, that cloud that protects us from the glory of God. Because if we were to see him, we'd be oh, gone. And, but obviously what's going to happen that day is there gonna be a, there's going to be definitely be a toasting there. So um, <clears throat> look, he's coming in the clouds. And, and uh, real quickly here, this is the verse I wanted to do. Uh, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. And that's a reference to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace. And supplication, they will look on me, the one whom they have pierced. Gosh, why isn't it on there? That's weird. Uh, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one who mourns for only child, and grieve bitterly for him as one who grieves a firstborn son. The nation of Israel will see the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they will mourn on that day. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, really quickly, John, I love John. Hey, any of you have degrees out there? like PhDs. This guy is like a triple PhD in Jesus, and uh, he says, I John your brother. Don't you love that? I John your brother. You know, don't call me Pastor Matt. Just call me Matt. You know? I'm your brother in the Lord. There's, there's no heart. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm washed by the blood the same as you are. And so let, let's just remember that there's only one Father in heaven. You know, I, I have trouble with the Roman Catholic Church to call people Father. And the Scripture just says, don't call anybody Father except for the one. 
Let's just plain out. He is the one who, who's to describe all the titles and the authority and the power. Me, I'm just Matt. I'm a brother and a companion in the suffering and in the kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus. Notice all these things we get in the package. Wonderful. How many of you like this one? I like this one, the kingdom. Patient endurance. No, let's, let's just do I, John. Happy day. Was on... <laughs> was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, Patmos is a little island here about 50-something miles off of, from Ephesus. I know it's hard to see for some of you, but uh, anyways, it's believed in church history, some of the early church fathers and such. Terry, could you mute the microphones that aren't being used? I'm sorry. Thank you, buddy. And it's believed in church history that Jesus was, uh, that Jesus, that uh, John was ministering to the saints. And somewhere Nero got crazy and he tried to boil John in oil. And he tried to boil him, but it didn't happen. Kind of like Daniel in the, in the lion's den. It's a very interesting thing. Uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were some other examples of people who have been, uh, could have been, boiled or toasted and didn't the lord spared him but it's church history again says that he was boiled in oil but he survived and so got ticked and sent him off to the island of patmos and this is where he penned these things and so john is a a real live person speaking to us about real you know real events and on the lord's day i was in the spirit and i heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet now this could be interpreted a few different ways. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. In other words, he was he was he had a dream. He was it was a Sunday afternoon. He's hanging out, and all of a sudden, he went into a a, a a trance. He went into a vision. The Lord gave him a vision. Or it could be, um, uh, I was by the spirit transferred. Uh, I was transferred by the spirit on the day of the unto the day of the Lord. Basically, saying going to to the day of the Lord. Uh, it's in Greek. It could go either way. They put it down this way, but it's just basically saying. I, I, I personally take it the other way, where he was just taken by the Spirit into the day of the Lord, where he could just see into eternity. And I talked about last week dreams and visions. When God gives us visions, or when He gives the prophets visions, and these people, what happened? Well, a vision is when you can see into the spiritual realm, that realm that is all around us right now. Angels, demons, warfare going on that we can't see. And I talked about, I closed last week talking about the one thing that, Lord, that the enemy wants us to, to uh, be ignorant of is the spiritual world that is around us. You know, and how we shun people who are too into that. Well, the enemy uses the other tactic and shuts us off. You go into a place like the Philippines, you go into the places um, in other parts of the world, there's a very real sensitivity to these things because they are real. And demonic things happen, but anyways, uh, the spirit, the spiritual dream, and and something about the spiritual realm is that it is not in our in our time space continuum. It, it it's in eternity. You're getting a glimpse into where God is in the eternity. You know, uh, we live in time. You know, you guys are looking at the clock, and the only reason why we're looking at that clock is because our Earth rotates in a certain way, and we fly around the sun, right? That's even relative. Do you know that if I had a twin brother or sister, let's say we did Emma and Josie, and Josie, they're, they're 20 years old, 
And we went ahead and said, okay, you stay here and live on earth, one of them. And the other one, we're going to shoot you in a rocket ship going the speed of light for 10 years there. And at 10 years, you turn around, you come right back. Well, it would seem 20 years on that, on that ship that you've been. And you, sure enough, it's 20 years. But when you get back to the earth, you're 72 and your sister's, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're 40 or 20 plus, yeah, 20 is 40. And what happens? Your, your sister's 72. Time is relative. It's just, and when you get into, I mean, what happens? What do you do when you're a thousand light years that way or a million light years that way? And we don't have our sun. What, what is time? Very interesting. But this glimpse into eternity, God has placed us in this, uh, in this interesting thing. And so the Lord opens up John's mind by the Spirit of God uh, to see things that are in eternity that will happen. And think about the eternities. eternities. You can see what happened in the past, in the future, in the present all at once. If the Lord desires. Kind of interesting. So, on the Lord's day, I was in this spirit. In Revelation 11, uh, 1, 11 through 16, I'm going to make it, everybody. Don't worry. <clears throat> Write on a scroll what you see. Remember, he saw visions. And send it to the seven churches. And he la- lays them out uh, there. What are the seven churches? Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and, La- and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And he's going to talk about what those are in chapter 2, or at the end of chapter 1, but I'm not going to do it, because I want to package the church all next week. Um, And a man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with golden sash around his chest. Verse 14, And his head and hair were white, And his eyes were like blazing fire. And his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to say the sound of many waters, of rushing waters. I don't know, I got cut off there. Sound of rushing waters. Now notice, I I just, I I kind of point these things out. It ends with his voice and it begins with his voice. Something about the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. I don't know. I just, just picked that up just right now. I turned um, and saw to a voice to me. It sounded like a trumpet. Remember that? The first part of this? The voice speaking to me. It sounded like a trumpet, basically. And then at the end there, it just says it sounds like living wa- uh, rushing waters. So who knows, there might be seven things in there. I don't, I'm not going to get into all that. But the, the, just the word of God, the beginning and the end, very interesting. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. What do you think that is? The word of God is like a double-edged sword, sharp. And it cuts between the joints and the marrow, the intents and the thoughts of the heart. God's word is what we need in our lives because we don't even often know what's going on in our own lives, in our own hearts. Jeremiah talks about that. Who knows what's going on in your heart? You don't know what's going on in there. But the Word of God can cut and it can, it can, it can, it can divide between your intents. It can give discernment. It can cut out the bad stuff and leave the good stuff. We see that in 2 Timothy 3.16. What the Word of God is profitable for. Get it in our lives. Be in it. Be sharply tuned. The Lord, it comes, the double-edged sword, it comes out of His mouth and His face was like the sun shining and all its brilliance. And again, it's cut off. Now, 
this thing about his face. I just wanted to end on this. It said, Numbers chapter 6, 22 through 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep thee. Remember that? We, it's kind of a liturgy in the Christian church, but the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. You want to be blessed. That's a blessing. What is the one thing that Moses asked for? Show me your glory, Lord. I want to see you. And that's, our, that's what we're, we're longing for as Christians, that we should be longing to see his face on that day. Face to face, though you see through a labyrinth right now, through a glass dimly, but then you shall see things face to face, the way things really are. I long for that. I want it. I'm tired in my body sometimes. I just want to see the Lord. And he says, tell him, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Thank you for your grace. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Wow, that's awesome. And so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is a common response to seeing the Lord. (laughs) Then he let me grovel. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, what does Jesus always say to his disciples who lack faith and who are always messed up? Do not be afraid. Fear not. I am. I am. Ego me. The eternal God. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I love throwing this verse on the Jehovah's Witnesses. Who's the first and the last? Who's the Alpha and the Omega? Well, that's Jehovah God. Jehovah God, Jehovah God. Okay, well then, I am the living one. I was dead. When did Jehovah die? (laughs) Whoops. And behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades right here. You got it? The things that we fear the most, death and hell, Jesus all... Yeah, check these out. <laughs> He's got them. He picks John up. He says, do not fear. Put this hand on him, lifts him up. Man, I'm the living one. I'm not dead. I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forever and ever. This is not going to end. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And I'm going to come repo my house. Right, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place. And as Gary has mentioned before, this becomes the crux of in- interpreting Revelation. If you do not understand this verse, you're going to have the church in the middle of things that it shouldn't be in and all these kind of crazy stuff that's going on right here. Right therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place. And the book of Revelation is divided into three divisions. What you have seen. He's going to talk about what he just wrote it down. What, what he saw, the, the, the presence, the manifestation of God. And he's going to write about what is now, the age of the church. And then, after that, after, after chapter uh, 3, I believe, it's, he's going to, what's going to take place later? What's going to happen in the future? And that's what we're headed for. And so, we just finished the first section of Revelation. Woohoo! 
what you have seen. See how quick that was? Oh, but now we are, and what is now? And now he's going to start speaking to the churches. And that's going to be an exciting thing, because next week, the epistles of Jesus Christ. We talk about the epistles of John, and, or the, epistle, the letters. Epistle means letters to the churches, you know? Jesus has some letters, and his letters rock. And it's not seeker-friendly. <laughs> Amen? All right, so let's, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much. Thank you for your word. I, I'm just stoked that, Lord, you are the living one. You were dead, but you are alive forever and ever. And you hold the keys of death and Hades, of hell, in your hands. And you're coming back for us. You're coming to pick us out of this mess, Lord. You're coming to redeem your children who've been bought by your grace, not because of our works, not because we deserve it, but because you love us. So Father, empower your people this morning to live the life that, that worthy of what's going to happen, worthy of you, Lord Jesus. So on that day, we will see you and we won't be ashamed. We will see you. We'll be expecting you, Lord. May we long for your face. Shine your face upon us now, Lord, through the veil, Lord, of, of this world. And, and just bless us, Lord, with your presence and your glory. Don't depart from us, Lord. Stay in the midst of the candlestick here at Christ Community Fellowship, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Amen.